Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. I have a list here that I want to read to you. You can go ahead if you one of those like to be prepared. First Peter's chapter one is where we're going to be today. If you'd like to go ahead and sneak over there, I have a list here. These is these are everybody that works in kids ministries, sixth grade and down at, at this church, Bethel. And I'm going to read their names. We're going to we're going to give them an, uh, just a hand clap in just a minute. But let me just read their names from sixth grade down. That's the nursery all the way up to twelve years old. These are people that serve every single week. And uh, in in um, in our church, and I'm just going to give you a list of the names. There's 46 people that serve in kids ministry. If I miss you, please don't please don't please don't fault me. I just try to get as exhaustive a list as we could. So you ready? <gasps> Yvonne Cackley, not Natalie Donnelly, Darla Rutledge, Kayla Moore, Julie Donnelly, Nikki Dave, Kayla Doubt, Aaron Doubt, River Andrews, Christy Herbert. Addison Herbert, Rebecca Savell, Colton Rosenbaum, Leanne Rosenbaum, Pam McGee, Carolyn Altus, Kat Rose, Morgan Rutledge, Carol Ann, Hannah Scoggins, Anaya Rose, Kaylin Rosenbaum, Hannah Miller, Allison Donnelly, Wanda Bullock, Ashton McNeil. Crystal Gibson, Beth Smith, Justin Smith, Katrina Bradley, Jaden Bullock, Ashley Johnson, Karen Smith, Kristen Sullivan, Melanie Burton, Ray Bullock, Justin Burton, Justin Gibson, Brandon Moore, John Cackley, Katie Fitzgerald, Kaylee Joe Cackley, Lindsey Ford, Lexi Sanders, Cage Altus, and Hannah Absher. Would you give them a good God bless you? I just am so proud to read that. That's just sixth grade and under. We didn't get above that. But if I missed you, I'm sorry. But for those of you who serve, who come to serve our kids, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're making a difference for Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you a question as I turn, if you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and this is the question we're going to answer before we go home today. If heaven wasn't part of the equation, would you still serve Jesus? If heaven wasn't part of the whole deal, would you serve Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. It says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice within, with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Let me read it to you again. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that today that we're going to answer a question that may be for many people, maybe un, 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 unable to try to express, but or today we're going to do our very best. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost once again is going to be uh, readily available to help every heart to receive, help my lips to preach, and help us to respond to Jesus today. And we love you for all that you've done already. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Now you think about Jesus Christ. Go back through the history of, of the world. People have fought wars over Jesus Christ. People have been willing to die for Christ. If I took a poll in here, you'd see people that would raise their hand and say, yes, if I had to die for Jesus, I'd do it today. People give their time, as we just talked about, give their money to a man they've never even met. Missionaries leave their homes to tell people around the world about a, about a particular man that they've never even seen. It's the most incredible thing, this man called Jesus. You and I have never seen him, and yet we love him. 
man is an assembly of God, pastor named of Dennis Thrasher. And the assemblies of God we used to have to where we were pretty emphatic that if you'd been divorced, you could not hold credentials. We've since changed our, we've since changed our stance. But Dennis Thrasher was a man that believed so much in that and so much what he was doing and so much in preaching Jesus that when his wife decided, when his wife left him, that he decided he was not going to remarry because he didn't want to lose his credentials so he still could preach Jesus Christ in the assemblies of God. Years later, he even said he regrets the fact that he never married again. But he did it for a man that he'd never even met and yet he still loves him. Can I tell you why other people love him? can't tell you why others love him, but I can tell you why I love him today. I don't know why you love him today, but I'm going to tell you for just a moment why I love Jesus. Why do I follow Christ? Why do I live for him? Even though I've never seen him, I've never met him, what makes me want to serve him, even if heaven wasn't part of the equation? First of all, I needed a role model. I needed somebody I could follow. I needed somebody who I could live, kind of emulate, and, and they would lead me down the right road and not the wrong road. I needed someone who, had, who, had, who, who was very happy, who was good and productive, and, and led, led a purpose-filled life that I could follow after. Somebody who could be a guide, to, who helped me make good decisions and choices that will help me find meaning and purpose in life, and I found that in Jesus Christ. See, lots of times we seek out mentors and role models in athletes in celebrities. But what I found is, is that many times they were great in one area, but they weren't that great in another area. Maybe they were great, they were great at shooting a ball, but they really weren't that great as a parent or as a husband or a, a wife. Maybe they struggled with human relationships, but I needed somebody who was a total package, who did it right when you saw him and did it right even when you weren't watching him. They were good on the court and off the court, and I found that person in the person of Jesus Christ. I, liked, I needed somebody who, uh, who treated people right. I needed to follow somebody who treats people the right way. Somebody who cares for the least of these. Uh, I needed to follow somebody that I like the story. When Jesus was with a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and people gathered stones, and they brought the stones together because they'd caught her in the act, and they wanted to stone her right there in front of Jesus and everybody. And I like how Jesus defended that one that nobody else was defending. I liked how he set her back on the right road and he cared for the least of these. I like how he pointed out the little things in life that were really big. I like the time that he was going and went to, people were giving in the offering. And he noticed one little lady, she just had a few copper coins to put in the, in the offering. And I like how he, he, he pointed, he told his disciples, look, see that lady over there? She gave more than everybody else because she didn't give out of her, out of her excess, she gave out of her need. But he noticed that. Judas noticed the little things of life, and I wanted somebody who would help me to, to see the little things, the big things in the small parts of life. I like how Jesus carried himself. I like how he handled himself when he was famous and when he was infamous. I liked when he was famous that he, he really snuck away from the crowds to be by himself. You know, sometimes famous people, they got to have the crowds to validate them. Jesus didn't need that. He'd go out and preach to the masses, then he'd head up on top of the hill and go pray and talk to God. I liked how he, was, he saw value in having fellowship with God. He did. He, I liked how he saw that there was something worth, there was a relationship that was worth having that was more than all other relationships, and that was a relationship with Almighty God. I liked that. I liked how he wasn't intimidated by bullies. Religious people, pharisaical people tried to trap him. They got mad at him because they couldn't control him, and I like how he was his own person. 
He wasn't motivated by what most of the world was motivated by, and that's money. And yet he had plenty of it. They came to him one time and said, Teacher, they were trying to trick him. The Bible says they had sent spies to try to trick Jesus. Good luck with that. They said, is it right to pay taxes? And they tried to, they tried to put him in a, in a tight spot because if he said he, he, was, he liked to pay taxes, they would have said, well, then you don't like the Jewish people because the Jewish people don't like Rome. But if he said he didn't like, if he said he, he didn't like to pay taxes, they'd go to the Roman authorities and said, this man's teaching people not to pay taxes. So they tried to catch him, and they tried to bully him around, and Jesus said the right thing. He said, bring me the coin. And they brought it to him. He says, whose inscription is on it? And they said, that's Caesar. And with the wisdom of God, he said, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God's what's God's. I love it. I love the fact that he couldn't be bullied around. I liked how he was so flippant about money. Most people are dominated by it. They're obsessed with money. They're controlled by it. But I like how he made a life and not just made a living. I like how he tried. He lived his life not with the dollar in mind, but he lived in life with people in mind. His object of his affection, his goals, his ambition was not stuff, but it was you and me. I like that. I like the fact that when it came time for Peter to pay his taxes, Jesus sent him fishing. I like how he said some things that made sense. He gave public compliments to people. I like how he did that. I think that's important in life, and I like how Jesus gave public compliments. He told Peter, he said, you're the, he said Peter, you're, thou art Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. Also, like how he publicly corrected people. He just wasn't kind of one of those guys that tell you what you wanted to hear. If you ever got out, you know, out if you ever had spinach in your teeth, he was the one to tell you. I like people like that. He told the disciples, why did you doubt? Why did you fear? He called the, called the, 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 the Pharisees snakes and, and hypocrites and brood of vipers. I mean, you've got to have some courage to do that to the people of your day. And I realized I needed that too. I need people who would compliment me and I also needed people who correct me. And I found that person in the person of Jesus Christ. He did both of them. He did them very well. I like how Jesus overlooks the dumb things I do. I'm going to say it like this. Don't you like how Jesus overlooks the dumb things that you do? Not ignore them, but he overlooks them. Many people, you know, do dumb stuff. And what I notice is that many times we do dumb stuff, people walk away. But Jesus doesn't walk away. He made a mistake in a marriage with kids in a job. Lots of times people just walk away, but Jesus never walks away. You know, there was a girlfriend that you were once crazy about, but then she decided she was done, and she walked away. A parent, maybe who gave up on your dreams, a coach, a friend who talked about you behind your back, but the one thing that I realized about Jesus is even though I did do dumb stuff, he never walked away. And I thank God for it. This day, it's hard to know who, who to trust. It's hard to know what People are, how people are motivated about you, why people want to be your friend. I always ask the question, what's their angle? You know, are they trying to sell me something? Are they trying to get the upper hand? Or is it, is it benefiting them? But I love the fact that Jesus wasn't like that. He didn't need me. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need us. What's his angle? I mean, what's his motive for, for caring about me so, so, so much? And John 3.16 tells me very clearly, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, just his, his motive for wanting me, his motive for, for coming after me, was he just loved me. That's it. No other angles, no other ulterior motives. He just loves me. I also like how I act because of him. I like me a whole lot better after Jesus than before Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? 
my wife would probably, she didn't really know me before Jesus, but she probably, I promise you, she likes me a whole lot better after the fact than before. You would like me a whole lot better now than I was back before Jesus. I'd probably like you a whole lot better now than before you met Jesus. I like that I had compassion for those that I used to have a bad attitude towards. I like the way I think now towards other people. I, I seem to want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I want them to go to heaven with me, no matter how bad they've ever hurt me or harmed me, no matter what their name is. I just care about them so much, I want them to go to heaven. You know, I just see this, that I, the way I thought about people. You know, usually when I, before I gave my heart to Christ, I didn't realize that people, I just didn't understand people. I didn't get them. I thought everybody was after something. And then I realized, and I like the people that I met because of Jesus. I like the friends that I made because of Jesus. I, I like the way that they were serious when they said they, they would help me. They were really serious about it. And when they said that I was going through something, they just didn't say, well, yeah, you just need to try harder. They told me they would pray with me, and they sat down, and they walked me through the roads of life. And I thank God for the teachers and the pastors that, that I met because of Jesus, because they've, they've given me the Word of God, and they've taught me, and they've instructed me, and they've trained me, and they, they've helped me to grow in my faith in Jesus. I like the opportunity He's given me to preach the gospel, to talk to people about Jesus, not just to keep it to myself. I like the way that God's made me because of Christ. I like how Jesus treated the underdog. The guy that everybody else overlooked. I mean, because have you ever felt like the underdog? You ever felt like you were one foot underneath the, underneath the ground? I mean, when I look at the 12 disciples, that wasn't really the who's who of the day. I mean, you talk about the bad news bears, that's it. I mean, you had a couple fishermen. You had a guy that was a tax collector, the most hated occupation of the day. He's kind of a hodgepodge of people, but yet he, he saw something in them that nobody else saw. I like that about Jesus. He sees in me and you things that nobody else sees. See, he looks at you right now, and he, he doesn't see you broken and beaten down. He looks somebody full of faith and full of hope and somebody he can use in the kingdom of God. He says, oh, the world just sees you as, as defeated. The world just sees you as dejected. This, the world just sees you as broken, but not Jesus. He sees a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. I like that. I like it. People who see the best in somebody else. This world, they're going to see the worst of you. Anybody read the news in the last 10 years? They're going to find out the one thing that you said or did or acted wrong in the last 10 years, and they're going to blast it on the front, front cover of the page of the paper. But not Jesus. He'll cover those sins. He cast them as far as the east is to the west. He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. He picks you back up. He helps you to go and keep continuing on to be the person that he knows you're capable of being. I like how he treated the average Joes because sometimes I feel. I like how Jesus' plans weren't just temporary. He wasn't just trying to sell me something for right now. I like he had the bigger picture than just the next five minutes. When he talks to me, when he, when, he, when he spends time with me, when I study and read about him, I realize that he's not just concerned about what's going to happen in the next hour. He's concerned about eternity. I like that. My dad used to say some people don't look past their nose. They don't think that far in advance. So I realize this, that I like that Jesus did that. He didn't look past five minutes. He looks for eternity when he thinks about me and, me and for you. He said these words, he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come back to receive you into my heavenly home. Good night, 
give me somebody who thinks that far in advance. That's the kind of guy I'm going to follow. That's the kind of person I'm going to try to emulate. I like how when I first started being a Christian 30 years ago, I like how I took him on faith. And now 30 years later, I still love him just as much as I did back then when I took him on faith. I like that. See, some things after a while, they get old. How many like to deer hunt? Thank you for those two. Raise your hands high. I want you to see who's, who's, who's going to feed you when come deer season. Now a bunch more hands went up. <laughs> if you ever been to a place where that's all you wanted to do is deer hunt. You just loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. And then over time, it just kind of lost its luster. You know, maybe you had a friend that you used to hunt with, and they're no longer, they're no longer hunting with you. Or maybe you had a, a loved one that they passed away. But you just don't like to deer hunt like you used to. It kind of lost its luster. How many have, have you been there too? Maybe it was your, um, let me think of something else, a car. Maybe you just had this wonderful brand new car. And you're just like, man, this thing is the greatest thing ever. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I want to drive it. I want to wash it. And after a while, it just kind of lost its luster. Maybe you had a boyfriend. And I mean, at the beginning, he was everything. I mean, his breast smelled great. His hair was always perfect. Clothes always matched. You couldn't get enough of him. And after a while, he lost his luster. But this thing about Jesus, after all these years, he still hasn't lost his luster. People still are willing to die for him. People who have known him 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years still to this day would gracefully and gladly give their life for his, for, for his name. People who years ago are still reading that same Bible and that same book because it's more exciting now than it's ever been before. People who raised their hands 50 years ago still raise their hands today because they realize he really is worthy of receiving our praise and our adoration. He still hadn't lost his luster. That's somebody I want to follow. I like how he took care of the little guys, children. I do. I like how, you know, usually you can tell a lot about somebody is how they treat kids. And there was a time the little boys and girls were coming to Jesus, and the parents were bringing their kids to him. They just wanted him to bless him. And so the disciples said, you know, this Jesus, he's bigger than that. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus, he's, he's a little bit more important than, than little kids. And they started shooing the kids away. And you know what Jesus said? Every one of them. Every one of them. Bring them to me, for such is the kingdom of God. He didn't shoo away the children. He didn't, he didn't make the children feel as if they were second rate. He brought them to me. He loved them, and he blessed them. He says, matter of fact, he even said, if you go to heaven, what you're going to see is there's going to be a mentality in heaven that's just like these boys and girls. I like that. He didn't discount them. He didn't, on the flip side, he didn't put them on a pedestal, but he loved them just like they were. I like how he saw the good in people. The good in people. There's a perspective in that. You can see the good and the bad in the exact same guy. You can look at me and you can see how I'm dressed, and some of you are going, man, he dresses nice. I have never seen a pastor dress so nice. Some of you are going, oh, my goodness, that belt does not match those shoes. You can see the good and the bad in everybody. And I like the fact that Jesus always saw the good in people. He saw Nathaniel. He said, if I know Nathaniel, in him there's no guile. He says, Mary, Mary was the one who was supposed to be around helping her mother, helping her Martha get stuff ready. And, and, and Jesus said, wait a minute, Mary's doing the more important thing right now. 
There was a woman who broke the alabaster box and, and poured the oil and the ointment on Christ, and everybody got upset because, man, you could have taken that and sold it, to the, given the, sold it and given the money to the poor, but Jesus didn't. He said, let me tell you something. Wherever this gospel's preached, we're going to tell this story about this lady here. He always saw the good in people, and that's somebody I want to follow. I like how he didn't tell people what they wanted to hear, that he told the truth. I wish he worked for the New York Times today. He just told it like it was. I'm sorry. If you were acting a fool, Jesus would tell you you're acting a fool. When you call people snakes and vipers and hypocrites, you're not trying to win friends and influence people. But we need somebody in the world that will tell the truth, and that was Jesus. I like how he made good decisions. I like how he went went, went out of his way to make a good decision for a person or for a whole group of people. He wasn't swayed by politics. He wasn't swayed by public opinion. He didn't read the, read the latest poll and decide how he was going to make a decision. But there was a Samaritan woman that needed to, to know God. He went out of his way to talk and tell a Samaritan woman about God. I like how he made a good decision about the masses. Went out to preach one day at a crusade. As he was at his crusade, surely you would have thought that the king of the, the universe would have thought to bring a food, food trucks out for thousands of people to have food after they got done here and preaching. Jesus didn't do that. But he made a good decision. He said, what do you got? Oh, we got a few fish and a few loaves of bread. He said, bring them. And Jesus took those and blessed them and multiplied them and fed the thousands right then and there. What a great decision. I like how he was pure. You realize this? There was never a sexual scandal about Jesus. There was never one that somebody said, oh, something about Jesus taking money. Never heard that, did you? Never heard the story about how he treated his staff badly or he was behind closed doors. He was different than when he was in front of all the people. Wherever Jesus went, he was the exact same. And I like that. I like how people served him for years and how they were so dedicated. How the 12, 11 of the 12 disciples died a martyr's death because when Jesus had passed away, they spent the rest of their life telling other people about Christ even to their own death. What kind of person would be willing to die for somebody who was so dedicated and so and cared so deeply about somebody they were willing to die whatever kind of death so they could tell somebody else about him. A couple more. I like how he doesn't stop calling. Sometimes there's people in this world, they stop calling after a while. That girlfriend used to call you all the time, she stopped calling. Friends that I, good friends that I had, they stopped calling. Lifelong relatives, they stopped calling. And Jesus says these words, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will come and open, I'll come in and sup with them. And the thing is, is after all these years of serving God, I still feel Him calling me to pray. I still feel Him calling me to read the Word of God. I still feel Him to call to gather with God's people and praise and worship His name. He still, after all these years, doesn't stop calling. All I've done, the good, the bad that I've done, when I look at it, how many times I've failed him, and yet he doesn't walk away. He doesn't get distracted. He still calls. Anybody in here, does he still call you? Does he still call you? Does he still call your name out and say, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I got something I want to run, run by you. After all these years, he still calls. And lastly today, I like how he and I are different, but it never got in the way of us being friends. I'm a Gentile. He's a Jew. He's single, I'm married. I'm Caucasian, he's Arabian. And yet in the midst of that, it never got in the way of he and I and being friends. See, the thing is, is many times in this world, our differences is what separates us. But I found in Jesus, our differences is what brings us together 
in him. You can take a black man, a rich man, a poor man, an educated man, an uneducated man. It doesn't matter. But something draws us all together in his name. There's nothing in this world that can bring people together like Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this world that can bring people together like Jesus Christ. I'll say it one more time because it's worth saying. There's nothing in this world that can bring you and I together and all the tongues and tribes of men together like Jesus Christ. And I want to follow that man. I like to ask the question to people. When I sit down with them, couples, one of the first things you ask them is, how did you meet? (laughs) How'd y'all meet? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And you, matter of fact, when you say it, you people, they, if it's a couple, they usually start giggling. I met Miss Leanne at church. One day I went to Sunday school, brand new to our church, the church we attended, and she was my Sunday school teacher. I was hooked. I can't remember a word she said, but I mean, she just looked really good. And then, of course, about, about a week later, I was late to church. And, uh, of course, and as I was late to church, I just ran in and grabbed the first seat I could find. And when I sat down in that seat, guess who was sitting next to me? Miss Leanne. A little bit later, my mom comes home. About a month later, she says, I met this most incredible girl at church. Of course, it was Miss Leanne. And some of your stories, I know your stories too, how y'all met. And I, some of you have met in just a host of different places. And it's interesting. I know some of you met in bars. Some of you met, had, had, had a sister or a brother that, that, that introduced you to one another. Some of you met at work. Some of you met at church. It's just interesting to me. But I just have one question as we, before we go today. Where did you meet Jesus? Where did you meet Jesus? Because, see, the thing is, is that there's anybody you're going to follow, we're going to follow. We've got to find somebody. It's got to start somewhere. And we've got to find somewhere to start so that we can walk and be mentored by this one who's the Savior of the world. Every one of those stories I just told you about Jesus, I learned it somewhere from a teacher in a Sunday school class or in a church. Every story I just told you. I I gave you 46 names of people that spend their time teaching people, boys and girls, about the Word of God. Every story right there I just told you. You know where I learned it? Somebody had to teach me. Would you stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you again for Jesus. Thank you that even if heaven wasn't part of the deal, I'd still serve him because he has showed himself to be tried and true. Thank you, God, that today I have the opportunity, even if I never, if heaven wasn't part of any of the deal, I'd still serve him. He's the type of person I want to follow. And secondly, today, God, I just thank you for every single teacher, big or small, whatever age, that's ever taught the Word of God. Because today they taught me about this one called Jesus, who I've spent my life following. And if they didn't tell me, I may never, ever know how wonderful and marvelous he truly is. And for that, God, I give you praise. And now, right now, in the name of Jesus, there are those, God, that right want to connect with you. There are those right now that want to come and they want to talk with you. They want to pour their heart out to you. They want to bring a need to you because you still call them after all these years. So I pray in the next few moments of time that you'll meet every single person 
Every person that reaches out to you in whatever way, pray in Jesus' name and know that you'll meet them. And I ask it in his name. And everybody said amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.